Pushkin. Where do you see your career in 10 years? What are you doing now to help you get there? The sooner you start enhancing your skills, the sooner you'll be ready. That's why AARP has reskilling courses in a variety of categories like marketing and management to help your income live as long as you do. That's right. AARP has a bevy of free skill-building courses for you to choose from because the steps you choose to take today will help you love what you do in the future. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. In May of this year, I interviewed Sam Bankman-Fried for this show. Sam was a very young, very rich entrepreneur and philanthropist who ran a crypto exchange called FTX. And then, last week, in a matter of just a few days, FTX collapsed and filed for bankruptcy. And, you know, even to say that, even to say it collapsed and filed for bankruptcy in a few days, somehow, amazingly, kind of understates how fast and dramatic the fall of the company and of Sam Bankman-Fried was. Until last week, Sam Bankman-Fried had this persona of being, like, a good guy. He wasn't shilling some ridiculous future where crypto was going to solve all our problems. He was running a real business, an exchange for crypto traders. And all along, he said, his plan was to make as much money as possible and then give it all away. And it seemed to be working. He was only 30, and already he'd given away hundreds of millions of dollars. Now, the money is gone. Customers and investors may never get paid back. And federal prosecutors are reportedly investigating both Sam and FTX. This week, as all this was happening, I listened back to my interview with Sam from May. And there are parts that I definitely find embarrassing in light of the new news. Moments when I should have challenged him more, been more skeptical. And for that matter, my whole framing of the show seems absurd, over the top. I mean, I called the show Sam Bankman-Fried Wants to Save the World. Spoiler alert, he did not. And yet, and yet, I did find the interview really interesting to listen to again in light of the news. Some parts of it still seem true, but in a really different way. And at least one thing Sam said seems very, very prescient. I'm Jacob Goldstein, and this is What's Your Problem? But today, let's be honest, it's more of a what's my problem situation. My problem is this. I interviewed a guy who was not at all what he seemed to be, and I didn't quite see it. So what we're going to do for today's show is 
we're going to replay the original interview. And at a few points in the interview, I'm going to pop in now with a quick update based on everything that has happened since. Now, here is my conversation with Sam Bankman-Fried as it aired back in May of this year. Before we get to the interview, I just want to take a minute here and set up this one big idea, this really useful intellectual framework that drives almost everything Sam does. It's called expected value. I try to use it a lot because I think it sort of is the default correct way in some senses to calculate something. It's like if you're, if you're just trying to do a generic calculation, I think it's usually the right thing to use. You can understand expected value by understanding how Sam decided to start his company, the crypto exchange FTX. He was working as a trader, making millions of dollars. And when he thought about starting FTX, he knew there was a really good chance it might fail. It might ultimately be worth zero. But on the other hand, if it succeeded, it could be worth tens of billions of dollars. So here is a slightly oversimplified version of how you would use expected value in this case. Say Sam thought there was only a 1% chance that his exchange would be really successful, but that if it were really successful, it would make him $20 billion. The expected value of starting the exchange is the probability of it being successful, 1%, times the value if that success happens, $20 billion, which comes out to $200 million, a lot. So in 2019, Sam started FTX. And Sam told me there is a really important lesson here about expected value. One of the sort of takeaways that often ends up coming from really thinking hard and critically about expected values is that you should go for it way more than is generally understood. Go big. You should really go really big, even if you probably will fail and wind up with, with zero. That's absolutely right. And, and I think one of the intuitions for why that's the case, for why I think going big is often the right thing to do. Well, if you think about it, like, you know, you've got obviously a number of, of options available to you. Somewhere on the far right hand side of distributions is like the best possible thing. Meaning the really good outcomes. That's uh, right. Uh, right. Yeah, the best yeah. possible thing you could imagine happening. And the, the best possible thing is probably really good. Um, you know, it, it's probably orders of magnitude bigger than whatever you're sort of expecting to do. Yeah, right. It's not a little better. It's wildly better. It's almost unimaginably better. That's right. And if you're thinking about, well, if I found a company, how is it going to go? You know, you're probably thinking this might be a million dollar company, right? But the right hand distribution, the right hand tail of that is going to be a billion dollar company. And that's a thousand times bigger. And so in order for it to be justified to choose that decision, if you really do care linearly about money, if you really do think that getting that marginal you know, dollar is worth a lot, um, you know, even once you already have a lot of money, um, then it, it, it should lead you to think that, that you know, the best outcomes might be outcomes that have a 99% chance of failure, right? Because a 99% yeah. chance of failure and a 1% chance of that billion is still, that's 10 million and that's a lot. And so any time that like there is some non-zero and non-negligible chance of a really, really good outcome are times when you're going to be incentivized more than seems natural, probably, to choose extreme outcomes. OK, that was Sam back in May. And listening back now, I have to say this part kind of holds up, but in a really different light. 
It's basically saying you should make massive long shot bets with a high probability of failure if the potential payoff is big enough. And, you know, that's clearly what Sam was doing for the first part of his career when the price of crypto was going up and he kept making these big bets and having huge successes. Now, we don't know all the details of what happened at Sam's crypto exchange FTX before it collapsed. But remember, one of the key things that prosecutors are apparently looking into is FTX allegedly loaned customer funds to a trading firm also controlled by Sam. Making that loan, deciding to make that loan, that is a kind of bet, right? It's a bet that the trading firm will make profitable trades or investments with the borrowed money. A bet that the market will go up, the money will be returned, and nobody will get in trouble. It's possible that Sam decided that was a bet that had positive expected value, and he went ahead and did it. Okay, now let's get back to the original interview. At this point, we're talking about how expected value shapes Sam's thinking about philanthropy. And what he says is, when he's thinking about giving away money, he doesn't just think about the world today, he thinks about like the whole future of humanity. How many people will live if we play our cards right as a world? Like in the 90th percentile outcome, how many people will live in the future? The answer is trillions, probably. Maybe hundreds of trillions? Right, it's, it's thousands of times more than the number of people who have ever lived. And so that's just, that's a huge factor, right? Anything that we do that actually has impact on the whole future of the world is massively important. Yeah. It's kind of a ridiculous way to think at some level, right? Yeah. It just gets so big. Then like, you're just some guy with a lot of money at some level, right? Talking about like trillions of people and the whole future of humanity. Like it gets weird, right? It does get really weird. You should really stress test these and, and, and think like, okay, do I really believe this? Like, do I really actually think that there's compelling evidence that like, you know, these numbers that I'm looking at are as big as I'm claiming they are? Or am I kind of bullshitting myself on this? Like, you know, you, you should absolutely have some humility around that, but but it's not totally implausible. And there are examples of people, people who we've heard of who are very famous and people who no one has ever heard of. Um who have had massive, massive impact on the world, who have had that massive multiplier. And and so it's not totally implausible. And and so, you know, I, I, I think that like, while we should absolutely have, you know, a healthy dose of humility towards extreme outcomes, um, you know, we should also acknowledge that they can be real and that often the highest expected value things are in fact pushing directly towards them. Well, and in fact, you did hit the extreme right tail of the distribution in work, right? You did just get implausibly rich in a ridiculously short period of time. So at least on, on that one, it worked. That's right. And I think it's that certainly has been a big update towards me in the direction of like, this stuff is plausible. Uh-huh. So the fact that you got so rich so fast in crypto, does it make, does it push your altruism toward like, well, sh shit, if I could make $20 billion in three years, Everybody on Earth could, in fact, die from a pandemic or from some out-of-control AI, and I should spend some of the money to try and reduce the probabilities of that. I mean, is it like that? Yeah, it absolutely does. I think it absolutely does make me think, you know what, like these, you know, really extreme outcomes are probably plausible and they're probably plausible enough that I should be taking them really seriously, you know, uh, and, and that has pretty profound implications, I think, for what we should be doing. So listening back to that section now, I do feel like there was a moment in there when I was starting to push in the right direction. 
it was when Sam started talking about the whole future of humanity thing and helping trillions of people. And I was like, come on, trillions of people, the whole future of humanity, that seems like a bit much. But Sam had a reasonable answer there. He said, yes, we should have some humility in thinking about things this big. But, you know, look, he said, there are people who have had really, really profound effects on humanity. And why shouldn't I, Sam Bankman-Fried, try to be one of those people? And that made sense to me. It did seem reasonable. And, and I think that is part of what was so appealing and convincing about Sam. I think that is part of why I and, you know, so many other people really believed him and wanted to believe him. He seemed guided by this sort of straightforward logic. He seemed like a very smart, very reasonable person. In a minute, we'll have more from the May interview about Sam's role as one of the biggest donors to Democratic political candidates. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you get there? There are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. That dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org wisefriend. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So, buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. 
So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less, like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Now let's go back to the show as it originally aired in May of this year. Sam told me he's given away about $200 million so far, which obviously is a lot, but it is also somewhere around 1% of what he plans to give away eventually. His giving has been broad, uh, anti-poverty, animal welfare, healthcare, but he has started to focus on a few areas. One of the biggest is pandemic preparedness. That is a category that fits right into that expected value framework. You know, a low probability but super deadly pandemic is worth spending a lot to prevent. Another place where he's been giving is politics. Sam was one of the biggest donors to President Biden's 2020 campaign. More recently, he donated over $10 million to support a candidate in a Democratic primary for a congressional seat in Oregon, largely because that candidate wanted to focus on pandemic preparedness. The primary was held just last week, and Sam's candidate lost by a lot. I think that there are a lot of takeaways from it. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, like, you know, if I were to do it again, I would do it a bit differently than last time. Um, but, you know, fundamentally, I, I think it was a well-fought race. I think that, like, you know, he had a real shot. Um, and, you know, going back to the discussion of expected values, right, like, if you're donating political races such that you think your candidates are 99% to win, you're almost certainly doing something. Right, because that person doesn't need your money. Exactly. You yeah. should be donating such that you think that you have a pretty substantial chance of losing. And, you know, I sort of stand by that. Do you expect you'll give a lot of money in the 2024 election cycle? I would guess so. I don't know for sure. It's going to depend on who's running. But, you know, I would guess so. Well, let's say Donald Trump runs for president. Would that cause you to probably give a lot of money to the person who is running against him? That's that's a pretty decent guess. And, and, and you know, I, I think that I'm going to be looking a lot less at, like, political party um, from that perspective and, and a lot more about, you know, uh, same governance. Like, that is, you know, at its core, the thing that I think I, I care the most same. about. You said, just to be clear, same yeah, governance. Same governance. I, I think the United States has both a big opportunity and a big responsibility um, to the world to to shepherd the West in a uh, powerful but responsible manner, and that everything that we do there has massive, massive ripple effects on what the future looks like. You've talked before about being surprised at how little money is in politics. Uh, it is quite small, the amount of money that is donated relative to how much money the government spends, right? Um, does that lead you to want to donate a lot? I mean, does it follow from that, that like, you'll probably donate a lot of money? It follows that I might. In the end, that's basically what I think. Um, I, I think that like, there are in some ways, so there's, you know, in some ways, surprisingly little money in politics. And given sort of the scope of its impact, now, that doesn't necessarily mean there are good things to do, um, donating in politics, right? Like, it might be that sure, but like, how are you actually going to do anything useful? You know, maybe that's how it turns out. But, but maybe not, you know? You mean it's not necessarily the case that more money can have a meaningful effect on the 
outcome. That's right. It's not necessarily the case, but it certainly gestures a little bit in that direction. Uh, I mean, I imagine you have some probability distribution in your mind of how much money you might give in the next election cycle. Like, give me some number. Uh, I would guess north of 100 million. Um, and, you know, as for how much north of that, it's, I don't know. You know, it, it really does depend on what happens. Like, it, it's really dependent on exactly who's running where for what. Like, like these these are are super contingent things, but um, but yeah, I, I I think that gives maybe some sense of what the what the sort of like scale might be here. More than a hundred million, sort of spread across many races, organizations, but toward the twenty twenty four election. So if that's a floor, what's the ceiling? Like a billion? Might you give a billion? Yeah, I think that's a decent like thing to look at as a as a sort of like, I, I mean, I, I would I would hate to say like hard ceiling because who knows what's going to happen between now and then, but as like at least sort of a soft ceiling, I, I would say, yeah. Okay, so so the ballpark is like hundred million ish to a billion ish, with again a lot of caveats on this, and you know, there's a world in which it ends up being close to zero if there, you know, if things just work out such that there isn't is there much I'm excited about. Like, that seems like a very low probability to me, based on what I know about you and the world. Yeah, it's, I, think it's, I think it's very low that it's actually going to end up being zero. That does seem pretty unlikely. Yeah. A billion seems way more likely than zero to me. I think it's probably right. Um, so I think the most anybody gave last time, if I have the right numbers, is 215 million. Uh, that's for the 2020 cycle, the last presidential cycle. It seems like you'll probably give more than that, based only on what you've told me. I think it is eminently possible that I, um, okay. I think that 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 would not surprise me. Just to just to pop in here again in the present in November, um, back in May when this interview was published, this part of the interview actually made a little bit of news. NBC News and Politico both reported, based on the interview, that Sam might give a billion dollars in the 2024 campaign. So that happened, and then some time passed. And then in another interview just last month, in October, Sam walked this part of the interview back. He said it was a dumb quote to give on his part. And at the time, when, when I saw this news last month, I thought it was just, you know, that his philanthropic priorities had changed. But now, in, in light of what we know now, it seems like maybe Sam knew by October that he just wasn't going to have a billion dollars to give in the next presidential cycle. One other thing uh, pops out at me from this part of the interview, and that is the moment when Sam says his giving for the 2024 election might be close to zero, close to nothing. And I just dismissed that idea out of hand. But of course, given what we know now, the situation now, it might be the most clearly true thing he told me in the whole interview. Okay. We're going to go back to the interview now. Uh, we're going to talk more about philanthropy and also a little, but in retrospect, not enough, about the relationship between his political donations and government regulation of the crypto industry. I've heard you say that, you know, at some points over the next few years, you hope to find opportunities where you can spend, give away like a billion dollars really quickly. What are some of the places you think that might happen? I mean, the election, the 2024 election is clearly one. What are a few others? I think pandemic prevention is potentially one of them. I think you look at like uh -huh. 
um, how much would it cost to, you know, really definitely prevent the next pandemic, or you can never definitely prevent it, but to have, you know, a, a really good shot at it, I think you're probably talking tens of billions of dollars. Which is crazy that the that governments aren't spending that money, right? And that's right. That really should be government spending it. And part of this might be working with governments on it. Because it's not that much, like, if truly, if they could reduce the risk of a pandemic by half, say, for $30 billion a year, like, do you actually think that? Is that true? Or $50 billion? I think I think something like that's probably true. I think something that's, like, not too far off from that order of magnitude. And that probably, you know, by the time you're talking about you know, many tens of millions, billions of dollars, um, you know, that's something that you're probably going to need to have government stepping in on. But, yeah, you know, yeah. I would be happy to throw in a, a fair bit to help facilitate that. So I should actually, I should have asked this earlier, but to what extent are your political donations a pandemic prevention strategy? So I think most of them have been so far. And, and you know, going forward, like, there may come other policy, you know, things like AI policy that 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 you know end up being really important. And so it's not to say that like pandemics are, are the only thing that are ever gonna matter to me policy-wise, but that has been the big one so far. And is the idea there like tens of billions of dollars a year to significantly reduce the risk of another pandemic is not that much for the government, but it's more than you have, yeah. right? So you need a lever. You can't That's you can't fair. actually spend all of your money and meaningfully reduce the chances of another pandemic. And so if you can use political donations to elect candidates who want to spend money to prevent a pandemic, that works. That's right. So you're giving lots of money to political candidates. You're also doing a lot of work to um, shape regulation of crypto in the U.S. Tell me about the overlap between those two things. So most of the giving has not been done uh, with with crypto in mind. and. I have been doing a ton of policy engagement on that, but that's mostly going to to DC and talking with policymakers. I mean, here's the the narrow version of the question is is part of what you want from your political donations some particular outcome in crypto regulation? Uh, that is not a big part of it. That is where we left the main part of the interview back in May. And when we zoom out now and look at what happened at FTX, uh, you know, what Sam did is still really hazy. The details will probably emerge over time. But for now, one big question that is really interesting to me is, was the basic altruism story Sam was telling true? Was he really trying to earn as much as he could to give it all away and help humanity? Or was that whole story a lie? I don't think we know the answer to that for sure yet, but it is possible that in spite of everything, that is really what he was after. That was really his intent. And if that is true, if he did mean to do great things in the world, and if he did do some of the bad things that have been alleged in order to do those good things, well, that is a very complex, very human story about good intentions and bad decisions and ultimately, maybe hubris. We'll be back in a minute with the lightning round. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, 
your health, your social life? What are you doing now to help you get there? There are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. That dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org wisefriend. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. It's nice to work hard some of the time, and then it's also nice to take a break. But as an investor, you want your money to be working for you all of the time. And that is what the Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app can help your money do. Betterment has automated technology, things like low-cost ETFs, which are basically cheap, efficient ways to invest. And if you're parking some of your money in cash, Betterment offers a high-yield cash account where your money can earn 11 times the national average. Betterment also offers automated rebalancing. They keep your money balanced across asset classes like stocks and bonds in the way that you want, so you're not always having to decide, oh, I need to buy some more of this or sell some more of that. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, performance not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. Here is the lightning round with Sam Bankman-Fried as it originally ran back in May. Several of the answers play pretty differently now in light of the collapse of FTX. Let me just, let's just do a lightning round. A few quick questions and you can answer them fast. What's the least rational thing you do? Least rational thing. I and I spend way too much time like aimlessly browsing my Facebook feed. Is it true you still sleep on a beanbag chair? And if so, why? I, I did uh, last night. I do do many nights. Um, it's, uh, I, I find it, um, I kind of, I, I don't know. It's what I'm used to is honestly just part of the answer there. It's like, it's what feels natural for me. If everything goes well, what problem will you be trying to solve in five years? I, I would say the details of how to, of what to prioritize, um, for pandemic prevention funding with, you know, institutes that have been set up and are 
you know, unloading a ton of capital into it and, you know, really great teams who are are devoting themselves to building it out. So the dream is you'll be like deep in the weeds, figuring out how to prevent a pandemic. Um, I've seen in other interviews, you doing lots of different things during the interview. I couldn't actually tell if you were doing other things during this interview, but were you? And if so, what were you doing? I was playing game of storybook brawl. I say the name of the game again? Storybook brawl. How did is you do a, uh, I took second place out of eight. Could have been worse. And I apologize. I do have to hop off. Okay. Last one. What's one piece of advice you'd give to somebody trying to solve a hard problem? One piece of advice I would say, um, I just keep going, just keep going step by step, you know, trying to solve it bit by bit. And, you know, eventually, hopefully you'll get there. That was my interview from May with Sam Bankman-Fried. At the time, he was the founder and CEO of the crypto exchange FTX. Last week, FTX filed for bankruptcy and Sam resigned from the firm. Today's show was edited by Robert Smith, produced by Edith Russolo, and engineered by Amanda K. Wong. I'm Jacob Goldstein, and we'll be back next week with another episode of What's Your Problem? Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Upswell Marketing would like to remind our listeners that most people don't belong to two gyms, see two dentists, or trust two auto repair shops. So when customers choose your small business over your competitors, they're really choosing you. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads. In fact, that formula and media mix has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. And if you mention that you heard about Upswell on this podcast, you will receive 15% off your first order. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home, too? The place to do it is errands. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love, online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details.